My name is Joel Renner, and I want to ask you to please subscribe, like, and comment on this video as you watch it so more people can see this teaching. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner, and tonight I'm here with the illustrious Denise Renner and the powerful Paul Renner. <laughs> Guys, I'm so glad you're here. Wow, Paul, I'm illustrious. And you're powerful. And we are wearing matching clothes. Uh, yeah, did you guys do that on purpose? No, no. But now that we're illustrious and powerful, we can wear the same clothes. Well, you're illustrious and you're powerful to me. And I'm so glad you're with <laughs> us and that Jesus is with us. Amen. Jesus promised if two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am. So here's three of us and you are with us and many, many people are with us. And isn't it amazing, Jesus never said we had to be in the same room. He just said we had to be together. And He's here, He's there, He is right in the midst of us. And Lord, tonight we ask You to open the bread of life, feed us, mm -hmm. transform us. Lord, we thank You for this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Rick, I have an word of knowledge. There's somebody and you're listening and you have a sore on your arm that hasn't been able to get well. And the power of God is on you right now to heal that place. Just receive it. I just speak that and release that healing power of God to you. I can see, I can see that sore on your arm. It's so horrible. You've tried everything to get rid of it. And you're ashamed of it. But the power of God is on you right now. Mm. Receive that. This week we're talking about the work of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. We are. And even following after your head and leaning into some of the temptations that you can be led into through headiness is another work of the flesh. It is. And we have to be careful to follow after the Spirit. I was, I was speaking to a young man in church not so long ago, and the conversation was very disappointing. Uh, we are body, spirit, and mind. And in the conversation, he was he was at the very beginning stages of his divorce, headed directly into a divorce. I mean, he was just, it was obvious where he was going and he didn't want to change anything. And he said, after I get divorced, I'll finally be able to just be myself. And he meant follow after his flesh. That's what he meant. But he said, just be myself. And in that moment, I thought to myself, I don't want to follow after my flesh or in the context of the way he said it, I don't want to just be myself. I want to be better. I want to follow after my spirit. I want to follow after my true self. And that's the freedom that we have. Mm -hmm. God gave us the freedom to choose. We can choose between following after the dead works of the flesh that only bring death and eventually isolate us from other people, or we can follow after the fruit of the spirit, which will actually bring us more friends, more influence, and make us happier people. You know, we're doing a series that's called The Works of the Flesh Versus the Fruit of the Spirit. And today's the last day we're offering this free download. Get it. Sure. I've been meaning to say this every single time. I like the cover. You do? Because it looks like two boxers. It looks like a boxing advertisement with that verses there in the middle and the line right Well, I think right that was it. the idea. It is, and I, I think it's a good picture. But if you've enjoyed this, you will devour the study guide. And it really is a study that you need to hear or see over and over and over and over and over. 
And remember that if you need prayer, we want to hear from you so we can pray for you. Amen. Amen. But tonight we're going to look at goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. And let's go to Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. We've already covered that. Joy, we've already covered that. We saw joy and happiness are not the same thing. I said to Denise, well, if you're unhappy, unhappy is happiness is so temporal, it's so fleeting. Just wait for the wind to blow in a different direction. Because happiness kind of comes and goes that fast. But joy is something that's constant, never changes. That's produced by the Spirit. Peace, we covered that yesterday. Long-suffering, we covered that yesterday. And gentleness, we covered that yesterday. Maybe you were surprised by the word gentleness. It means to be adaptable to the needs of those that are around you. And that is absolutely supernatural. Because the flesh says, this is me. If you don't like it, you can just lump it. Take a hike. (laughs) But when the Spirit of God's working in you, you're not thinking about yourself. You're thinking about how you can win somebody else, how you can reach somebody else. You just want to be what you need to be to help somebody else. It's very godly and it's Christ-like. That's what Jesus did. But then next it says goodness. What does goodness mean? Well, the word goodness, the Greek word agathosuni, means goodness in the sense of being good to someone else. It means being good to somebody else. It is used to portray a person who is generous, big-hearted, liberal, and charitable with his finances. Which means when goodness is working in you, you don't have a clenched fist. You really have an open hand. You're ready to help somebody. It is a giver. Mm -hmm. It is the act of reaching beyond oneself to meet the needs of those that are around him and is the very word used to describe philanthropic giving. The flesh says, I'm going to take care of me and mine. I'm going to take care of me and mine. Maybe once in a while I might do something for somebody else. But goodness pictures a person who's not just thinking about him and his own. Of course, you need to take care of your own family. The Bible says if you don't take care of your own family, you're worse than an infidel. So you need to take care of your own. But when goodness is working in you, you've got your eyes open to see what you can do for somebody else. And an example is Acts chapter 10, verse 38, describing the ministry of Jesus. It says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. Amen. Say amen. Amen. Who went about doing what? Good. Good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Most people equate doing good with healing all that were oppressed of the devil. But these are not the same things. Doing good is a Greek word. Listen to this. It exactly describes a benefactor, a philanthropist, one who financially supports charitable works, one who uses his financial resources to meet the needs of disadvantaged people. This word was only used, and therefore that's what it means in this verse, in connection with the provision of food, clothes, or some other commodity associated with physical or material needs which tells us, in addition to Jesus casting out demons and healing the sick, which is what we major on, this Greek word literally means Jesus had an entire branch of his ministry that provided resources to meet the needs of those that were disadvantaged. And here we have a picture of the fruit of goodness. God is good. God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. God blesses everybody. He is just a giver. He is a blesser. And when God's seed is working in you, you want to be good to everybody you can be good to. Isn't that amazing, Denise? 
You're not thinking of how little you can do. You're thinking of the maximum. The heart of God is just to give. He is a giver. Paul, what do you want to say? I was looking at that verse in Russian. Uh, the Bible I use here is both in English and Russian simultaneously. And I was looking at the same verse in, same verse in Russian because that encouraged me. I think I'll talk about it on Sunday during the offering. Isn't that amazing? Yes. That's what the word goodness means. It doesn't mean that you're just morally good. It means you're open-handed. Mm-hmm. You're wanting to do something. And you know what? It means to reach beyond your own world to touch somebody else's world. The worst thing is for Christians, Christians who sit in their chair and they think about themselves, they think about what they need, what they want, they think about their own, and they forget there's people beyond their walls that they could do something small for that would make a huge impact in their lives. That's why it's so powerful to be a partner. I mean, right from your chair, has it never been easier to change another person's life? Just going online, making a contribution, or picking up the phone to make a call and become a recurring donor, you can do something small but so significant that it reaches beyond you. And the worst thing is when Christians are just self-focused. It's so contrary to what it means to be a Christian. God is a giver. He's good. And Jesus went about doing good, philanthropically doing everything he could to feed the poor. It tells us he had a whole outreach of helping people with clothes, helping people with food. That's why he had a treasurer in his ministry. They had a lot of money, and they had to meet a lot of people's needs. You say, are you sure Jesus did that? Wasn't he God? That's what God does. But then it goes on and says next, the fruit of the Spirit is faith. The word faith is the Greek word pistis. It is the most common word for faith in the New Testament, and it conveys the idea of one who is faithful, reliable, loyal, and steadfast. One that is trustworthy, dependable, dedicated, constant, dependable, unfailing, and unwavering. It is unchanging, unwavering behavior. Whereas the flesh is unstable, unpredictable, unreliable. The flesh doesn't show up in time, takes advantage of schedules, is tardy on all of its assignments. That's just the nature of flesh. Doesn't want to get out of bed when the alarm rings. Flesh just wants to procrastinate, procrastinate, not do what it says, not show up on time. But when the fruit of the Spirit operates in you, it makes you pistis. You become very unwavering, stable, dependable. That's really what it means, dependable. And I really like what the Bible tells us in Numbers 23, verse 19. In the New International Version, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man, that he should change his mind. God is not wobbly. He is always the same. Whether you talk to him right now or later today or tomorrow, you're going to run into the same individual when you talk to God. His opinion today is going to be his opinion tomorrow. He's not going to waver. He's not going to wobble. God is not going to fluctuate. He is the same day and night. He is not the son of man that's constantly vacillating and changing his mind. God is always the same. We're told in Hebrews 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ, what does it say? The same. The same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Thank God we don't have a Jesus today that's different than the one that was 2,000 years ago. And when we wake up tomorrow, we don't have to worry what Jesus is going to be because Jesus is the same. That is the nature of God. And that is the seed that's been put inside us. Wonderful. Isn't that amazing? 
possibly because of my charismatic upbringing. When I see what does that mean? Faith means I've been in a lot of services with a lot of hallelujah and amen. I've been in a lot of services where we lay hands on the sick. And that's good. And I'm in a lot of services where we speak in tongues. That's good. Every time I hear the word faith, I think about doing something spectacular. Faith and action seem to be very connected. And they are. Faith without works is? Is dead. Dead. And because of that, when I read this and I see gentleness, goodness, faith, I think of faith immediately as an action, an action or a powerful prayer or the ability to say amen at the right time. But that's not what it says here. This is talking about the core of an individual. This is this has a different meaning. It's being faithful to God. It's being faithful to people. It's being dependable, dependable. reliable, unwavering. You know, I think when I was a young man, I didn't understand the need to be on time, to do what I said. And when I was younger, maybe I would do what I said, maybe I wouldn't. Maybe I'd show up on time, maybe I wouldn't. But as you get older and you grow in the Lord, you begin to understand God's always on time. God is never late. God always does what He says that He will do. Some people say, oh, how God works is a mystery. No, it's not. God always does the same thing. God is always the same. There's very little mystery about how God works. God is very predictable because He is pistis. He's dependable. He's reliable. He's the same. Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. And what a rock that we can stand on and what a reputation that we can depend on. And you know, when you have this fruit in your life, people will enjoy working for you. If or working with you. If you work with somebody that is fluctuating all the time, one day they're one way, the next day they're the next day, that, that is not an enjoyable person to work with because it is so unpredictable. It is so volatile. God is not volatile. He's the same. I'll tell you that if you work with Rick Renner, you don't need to worry what I'm going to be like tomorrow because I'm always the same. We're the same because that's a fruit of the Spirit. And that's something that I've had to make a choice to let work in my life. But over the years, that's become the core of who I am. It's not because of me, it's because that's the seed that was placed in me. And it's the same seed that's placed inside you. Can I say something there, Rick? Yeah. You know, it, it's a, a decision and it can be habitual. You have to train yourself you to do. say, yes, I will be this way. No, I won't be that way. And then maybe the next day you messed up, but then you make the decision the next day. You say, nope, I'm going to be this way. And the more we choose and choose and choose and choose, something is happening in our character. That's right, Denise. And don't be quick to judge people who have made a mistake. Oh, forgive them and forget it. Some people make mistakes, but they're trying to make the right decision. Well, next he mentions meekness. People think meekness is the equivalent of weakness. But it's the Greek word proutes, and you're going to be surprised. It actually describes a very strong-willed individual that's learned to bring his strength under control. It's really the idea of control. In rare instances, it described wild animals that were domesticated. It denotes soothing medication to calm the angry mind, or one that is so gentle 
He becomes soothing medication for an upset soul or for a troubling and upsetting situation. He's under control. This word meekness means you bring strength into a situation. You don't add to it. You bring strength to it. You are under control. And if you're in a situation where everything is out of control, you being under control, meekness, it can be soothing medication to a situation. Denise? Well, Rick, that's exactly what the Apostle Paul did on, in that shipwreck and how he spoke to those men. He did. Because he was a prisoner. And, he, and there were 276 men on that ship. And in him standing up in his meekness. How many people? 276. He took control of the whole situation. That's the word meekness. <laughs> I mean, he is not at an advantage. He's a prisoner. It's like Peter writes about women, says that it's beautiful when a woman has a meek and quiet spirit. People think that means a woman's just supposed to shut up and be quiet. No, no, it describes a woman who's very strong, but it's strength that is under control. I've seen this in you, Denise. Thank you. Because you're a very strong woman. Your control makes you even stronger. This is a very powerful force. But then last he mentions temperance, the Greek word enkrateia. Now let's spend some time on this. It's a compound of two words, the word en, which means in, and the word kratos. The word kratos is the word for power, but when compounded, it is one that is in power, or one that has power over one's self. Hence, it is often translated as self-control, and it suggests the control or restraint, are you ready? The control or restraint of one's passions, appetites, and desires. It is restraint, moderation, discipline, balance, temperance, or self-control. It is the opposite of lasciviousness, which is just give in to everything and do everything in excess. That's what the flesh does. But when you have temperance, you have the ability to be restrained. And we're living in a day when restraint has been cast to the wind. Whether it's the Congress that is spending trillions of dollars that is ridiculous, or people that are just racking it up on their credit cards, or people who go out to eat and they eat a whole plate full of food and order another plate full of food, or, I mean, the, I mean, the, the, the kind of excess that's in the world today, people with drug problems, people, people have lost the ability to say no, which is one of the signs given in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that it's the end of the age. They're just going to cash restraint to the wind. Well, if you can just be restrained, you'll already be a winner in life. Other people will be in debt, you'll be free. It's amazing. If you'll just surrender to the seed of God that is in you, you will be leagues ahead of everybody else. Because while they're all struggling to survive their excess, you, you'll be fine. You'll be fine because you are in Kretea. You've experienced power over your, you're in control, you're in power over yourself. And the Bible tells us that a man who exercises control over himself is what, Denise? Mightier? Oh, mightier than one who takes a city in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32. And that scripture is so amazing because that's God's opinion. I mean, these generals, they're worthy of our honor. But in God's opinion, one who takes control of himself is more powerful than a general who has a strategy, the power, the respect of all of those men and the fortitude to push through, God says 
If you can control yourself, you're more powerful than that general. Think about how many successful businessmen and women have conquered an industry, built an entire industry, made a name for themselves, but their personal lives are a shambles mm. because they don't, they, it's all a front. It kind of has to do with the pride of life. But on a personal level, mm. they have no strength over themselves, their passions, their relationships, their sensuality. But when you have inkratea, temperance, why you are already in charge of the most important front. You. You. That's the inner world. You know, somebody once asked me, Rick, what is the biggest battle you've ever faced in life? What's the thing you fight more than anything else? And the answer was simple. It's me. If I can win over me, I'll win everything. Devil's not a problem. He's minor. If I can get in agreement with God and deal with me, we can do anything and win any battle, and so can you. And that's why we have to have inkratea, temperance. But hey, we're out of time. This has been awesome this week. This is the last day you can get the study guide online for free and to order the series and sparkling gems from the Greek number one and number two. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Bye-bye. Wow, wasn't that a great teaching? My friends, I want to ask you to please like, subscribe, and comment on that video you just watched so more people can see it.